0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. All right, well, we are going to be in Luke chapter number two this morning. Uh, Luke chapter number two. And uh, just like to share some thoughts with you this morning. A very uh, simple message, but it's a very powerful message. I'm excited to share it with you. Uh, I, bought, I brought a little box with me today. Some of you may get upset, it's got Santa Claus on there. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll be talking about God's gift today. Now, uh, in Luke chapter number two, is where we're going to be reading from today. But I don't know about you, but I, th- I think many of us can look back, and as, as long as I can remember, now I know this isn't everybody's experience. But as long as I can remember, I have loved Christmas. And for me, it was such an anticipated day. I can remember as a kid, uh, especially when the lights would first start coming out and the decorations and, and you saw that there were signs that it was Christmas time. I, you know, now it's just like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's already here. Then Christmas comes up so quick. But when I was a kid, I can literally remember moments to where I'm just like thinking, is it ever going to get here? I mean, every day seemed to drag leading up to Christmas Day. And but I want to say this: when I when I became an adult, got married. Well, I may have got married before I became an adult, technically. But uh, when I when I became married and had children, I want to tell you something. Christmas started coming a whole lot faster. And rather than uh, Christmas sneaking uh, uh, or you know taking forever, it would be like uh, come Christmas week, I'm in panic mode. Anybody else uh, in panic mode? Like, oh my gosh, it's this week. Uh, you know, and that's where you, uh, you stop by the truck stop when you're on your way home from, on Christmas Eve and just pick something up for the wife, and those are always the most meaningful <laughs> gifts. You know, <laughs> grab, a, grab a candy bar and a pot for the kids, and, uh, and that's normally where many of us as dads just sit back and uh, just see the faces of the children as they open up their presents and are surprised and anticipating what they're opening. You know, and us dads are just like, what is it? Because <laughs> we don't have a clue either a lot of times. Uh, but uh, but when I was a kid, it was a different story. Now, to be honest, there was probably one major reason when I was a kid why I would get so excited about Christmas. Any guesses? Presents. That's right. Presents. I couldn't wait for the presents. And uh, uh, the presents from my, my mom and dad especially, Uh, The presents from my aunts were like always socks and stuff, which were cool to have, or uh, pajamas. But I anticipated the parents, the the presents I would get from my parents, and uh, months before Christmas would come. Now I'm going to date myself here a little bit, and some of you younger folks, I'm going to have, I almost need an interpreter for this. I should have brought pictures if I'd have been thinking about it. But months before Christmas, many of the department stores would send out big catalogs. Right? Anybody remember catalogs? And uh, you'd get in that catalog, and you'd flip through that catalog. And around Christmas time, I would go to that toy section of the catalog. And a catalog, kids, it's like a book. We well, don't know what a book is either, do? You? It's a book that's got pictures of all the stuff you can buy. It's like Google. No, it wasn't like Google. I don't know how to describe it. It's a catalog. But you'd go through, and man, there would just be this thick of page after page after toys and things. And I can just remember just dreaming and imagining, man, I would love to have these toys. Anybody else like that remember those catalogs? Remember dreaming of getting some of those things? Well, I can remember that so vividly. <laughs> and, uh, uh, but, you know, but at the same time, uh, I grew up pretty poor, and I I didn't really get a whole lot of gifts and presents throughout the year, so therefore Christmas I anticipated it even more. My mom loved Christmas, and I realized today, and it really took me years to realize why I love Christmas so much and couldn't figure out what's wrong with other people that don't love Christmas, but it's my mom's fault. I blame it on her because she loved Christmas. She loved to decorate, she loved to bake, play Christmas songs, and especially get gifts for my sister and me. My mom would somehow make every Christmas, literally, I cannot remember a Christmas that did not seem magical to me. And I know that sounds corny, but I'm kind of corny, all right? But it was seriously, it was just great. She would find a way to make every Christmas so awesome. Now, what I'm about to tell you is not Dave Ramsey approved, okay? And I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but throughout the year, honestly, my parents, a lot of times it was due to, uh, some of it was due to Jimmy Carter and some of it was due to just poor financial decisions and things of that nature, but they struggled to pay their bills most of the year. My parents didn't own a car when I was young. Uh, my, 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 My dad's boss would come pick him up for work. My mom would take the city bus to work. And then by the time she got off, the city bus wasn't running, any, running anymore, so she'd walk four miles home every evening, no car. Uh, and so that's the way we'd live throughout the year. But, but when it got close to Christmas, my mom and dad would start working more. And there was this little thing, and I think they still have it today. I believe we may have used it in our early years of marriage. It's called layaway. You may remember Layaway. Uh, layaway. And so layaway, again, I would d- interpret for the kids, uh, but I got to give my mom credit. She didn't put anything on a, cr- a credit card because as, as much as they give credit cards to everybody, I'm not sure they would have given them to my parents, honestly. But uh, she didn't put anything on credit. But what she would do is she'd go to the store and she would put something on layaway. That's where you'd go pick out a gift and you'd put it in there. And it's basically like you make a down payment on it, but the store holds on to it. And every pay period, my mom would go pay a little bit more and pay a little bit more until finally she was able to get us just about everything that we wanted, I think. That's about the way I remember it. Again, if you don't have a car and you can't pay your bills... Maybe you ought to maybe focus on that a little bit more, but my mom didn't. She, she, for her, it was important on Christmas morning for us to have just, she wanted to see our bright faces, and one of the things that I can remember so specifically, I remember waking up Christmas morning, and just like this action scene of G.I. Joe's set up in the living room. Anybody else have G.I. Joe's? I, again, they weren't dolls, amen, they're action figures, and... Uh, But these little G.I. Joes, and I didn't have the big G.I. Joes, I'm not that old, it was the little guys, you know, and, uh, but uh, she she, she would have that stuff set up, Uh, you know, every couple of years there would be a bike maybe out in front of the tree, and it was just like the most awesome time, but it was a thing of sacrifice for my parents, but for them it was worth it for that one morning just to see our faces lit up and just to have such a great uh, Christmas day. Now, uh, I still like getting gifts, I do. I don't try to say, you know, oh, I don't like getting gifts. I like getting gifts. But you know what? Now I've learned to uh, enjoy giving gifts a whole lot more, whether it's Christmas or not. And and I think that I do show a little bit more restraint than my mom would show. I'm looking for my wife. She may not agree with me. But I show more restraint than my mom would have showed. But, uh, you know, maybe that's the reason today that I can relate so well to the message of God's gift. I've never been more excited than to receive and to offer and share the gift of God. The gift of God. Now, while it's true that Christmas today should not be all about presents, it most certainly is about a gift. It's most certainly about a gift. And that gift is God's only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Luke 2, if you would read with me today, beginning in chapter 2 of Luke, and I want to start in verse number 1, and you can just follow along. The Bible says in Luke 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger." And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And we'll stop right there and pray before we go any further. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll please help me to share the wonderful truth of your gift. And I want to thank you for the gift of salvation, the gift of God. And I thank you for the glad day that I accepted this gift. And I pray that there's anyone here that has not received the glorious gift of salvation, that this would be the day that they would do so, dear Lord. So please help, work in hearts, dear Lord, we ask you. And uh, thank you so much for uh, loving us enough to want to have this relationship with us. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as we consider this morning God's gift, I just want to share a few things with you this morning. Number one, I want to share with you the fact that it was a promised gift. It was a promised gift. This was a gift that was promised from a long time ago. Uh, God promised that He had a gift for the world. And this gift, uh, the Bible says uh, several things about the promise and the prophecies concerning the gift of God. Number one, did you know that the vessel through whom the gift would come was prophesied? All the way back in the book of Genesis, chapter number 3, verse 15, the Bible says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, he speaks to Satan, and between thy seed and her seed. Now, at, when we read Genesis three fifteen, where the Bible refers to the seed of the woman, being that which would defeat Satan, that may not really stand out to us all that much. And at first glance, it just seems like a normal phrase. But when you think about uh, ancient genealogy, ancient genealogy was never, uh, re- never related too much with the mother. It was always the son of. Whose son is this child? B- or who's, who's the father of this child, I should say? Who's the father of this child? But in Genesis 3.15, it says, the father is, isn't as important as I'm going to use the seed of woman. And so what we have here all the way back in the book of Genesis is a miraculous birth is prophesied in ancient uh, writ back here in Genesis 3.15. But not only that, the Bible says in uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, "...therefore the Lord himself shall send you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So this gift was a promised gift. God promised the vessel uh, through whom which it would come. It would come through a woman, this gift, this person. He would come, I should say. But not only did God promise the vessel, He also made a promise concerning the venue. Did you realize that 400 years before the Lord Jesus Christ was born, that Micah prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem? Now... uh, Micah had no idea 400 years before that Octavian or uh, Caesar Augustus would be calling for a tax and would be requiring people to return to their ancient home uh, as they did with Joseph having to return to Bethlehem, but God knew it. So 400 years before, Micah 5.2 says this, but thou Bethlehem, Epaphrata." Though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. So there's the prophecy 400 years before the venue. Matter of fact, there's there's an interesting thing I like to refer to a lot around this time of year concerning this wonderful gift. But the, the, there's a math, mathematician. Uh, he passed away a number of years ago, but his name was Peter Stoner. Uh, he took only eight of the many of the dozens of prophecies concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. He took only eight of these prophecies, including the virgin birth and the fact that he would be born in Bethlehem. And he illustrates the probability. Of this, and so he took using probability, using mathematical numbers, he come up with this. It, there was a one, and I can't remember the number uh, chance, it's like one with a, a bunch of zeros behind it. But just to illustrate it, he said it would be this would be the equivalent. He said if you were to take the state of Texas, mathematically speaking, from a probability standpoint. If you would take the state of Texas and cover it in silver dollars, half dollars, uh, two feet high, two feet high, the entire state of Texas, and if you were to put a blindfolded man in Houston and let him go out any direction he so choose, that he would choose, and that on his first attempt, there was one of those half dollars that they had painted red. And if this man could go and on his first attempt go across the state of Texas two feet high in silver dollars or in in half dollars and be able to reach down and pick up the red one, that's the same probability that only eight of these prophecies would be fulfilled in one person, that person being the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is only eight. Again, there's dozens. And just to share those with you, the the numbers are astronomical. It's hard to even equivalent. I mean, uh, you know, somebody said it would almost be just like me picking up the phone and wanting to speak to a random person in the world or a certain person in the world today, and I would just pick up a phone and dial a number and be able to dial the exact right number on the first try, even though it were an international number. The fact of the matter is, I'm just trying to tell you, the miraculous nature of the, the Lord's birth, yes, it was miraculous. Because it was a virgin birth, but it was also miraculous in the fact of the prophecies concerning the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. So he prophesied and promised the vessel. He promised the venue. But not only that, he also promised the, the vicarious suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the way back in G- Genesis 3:15. He said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman between her seed and thy seed. But he also goes on to say this: it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel." So what that is, is God speaking to Satan saying, you will be defeated by the one who is born through this woman. Back in Genesis 3.15. However... Your head will be bruised, but in him him defeating uh, you, you're going to bruise his heel. So in other words, you're going to be ultimately defeated, but he's going to be hurt in the process. And boy, was he ever hurt in the process. Vicarious just simply means that he died and suffered in our place. As we think about the gift, it was a promised gift today, but it's an interesting thing as we consider the vicarious nature, the cross. Calvary, the death of Christ being prophesied uh, through, this, uh, through, the, uh, through Christmas, through the crucifixion. God told Abraham that he would provide himself a lamb. And it's no coincidence that Jesus was born in a stable, among other potentially animal sacrifices that were required under Old Testament law. That the Lamb of God would be born in a place where other sacrifices, potential sacrifices, were as well, there in the stable that day. Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter number 5, the Bible calls him our Passover lamb. You go back to Genesis or Exodus chapter number 12, you learn about the Passover lamb and how that there was a lamb that was sacrificed for everyone, and if if that blood would be applied, that the the judgment would pass over those people and they would be delivered. And God was trying to... and, And then in the New Testament, it says, Jesus is our Passover. You may or may not remember, but when John the Baptist was preaching and baptizing out in the Jordan River, he says when the Lord Jesus Christ comes out on the scene, what does he say? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. Because Jesus, folks, was born, but I want to tell you something very clearly today. He, he, he was born as a gift, as we see here in the text, but I'm telling you, his birth in and of itself was not the ultimate gift. He was born so that he might bring this ultimate gift and be the ultimate gift, but he was born basically so that he could go die for you and for me. One of the unfortunate things about how glorified, if you will, that Christmas is, is there's many people that the only way they even think of the Lord Jesus Christ is as a baby. If you say Jesus, they just they, they imagine this little baby in a manger. Now, but I'll tell you something else that's not, it's maybe a little better. It's a step further for those that say Jesus and they picture him on the cross. But I'm telling you, there's something beyond that. He was born to go to the cross and he died on the cross. But folks, three days later, he rose again. And the Bible tells us uh, that all this would happen. And of course, the Bible tells us that it did happen. But God told Daniel, in fact, and I'll just say this lastly, as we think about the the prophetic nature And I'll say more about that vicarious uh, uh, sacrifice. But I want to just say this more on the prophetic nature, on the promise of the gift. Do you realize this? It's a pretty cool thing. In the book of Daniel, chapter number 9, God gave to Daniel the actual math. God gave to Daniel the actual math. God told him from the, from the day that the commandment of King Cyrus for the Jews to go rebuild the temple, and he literally gave him a number of days. And he said from that day to the day, then he gave the number of years to the day that the Lord Jesus Christ, the day that the Lord Jesus Christ would come in on the triumphal entry that we celebrate every year leading up to his uh, resurrection. The very day was prophesied. They literally could have counted the days and known the moment that he would be coming in. So it's awesome when you think about the fact, when we think about Christmas, folks, it's a whole lot bigger than just the babe in a manger, amen? It was promised. It goes back a long ways. But let me uh, try to get you to the some of the most important things I want to emphasize, and then we'll stop and eat potluck in a little bit, all right? It was a promised gift, but I want to tell you it was a purchased gift. You know, a gift that you didn't have to pay for really doesn't mean a whole lot, does it? I mean, anybody ever re-gift? That's not, that's not much of a sacrifice, is it? Uh, as a matter of fact, it's normally a blessing. It's like, what am I going to do with these socks? I know I'll give them to Ralph, you know, uh, uh, I mean, we, we, we re-gift. And I'm not saying re-gifting is all bad. Don't misunderstand me. Uh, but what I am trying to say is a lot of times the thing, when we're willing to actually pay for something, when it means enough to us uh, that we're willing to sacrifice for it. And folks, I want you to know that the gift of God had to be purchased. And I, I do. I meant to emphasize this as we read through Luke 2 there. The Bible says she, she brought forth her firstborn son. And what she do with him? She wrapped him. <laughs> Just like we do many of these gifts. She wrapped him. But this gift was a purchased gift. And as we think about a gift being bought, a gift being purchased, gifts generally cost something. And the way it normally goes, if you go Christmas shopping, uh, or it does after have to just be Christmas, but normally you go out and you go out with an individual in mind, don't you? You go out and you think, for, for instance, I'll go out and I'll say, okay, I'll think about my kids, I'll think about my wife, I have somebody on my mind, and in fact, I have something I want to get them on my mind. And so I go out and I purchase this gift, and, uh, but, I, but I go and before I purchase it, I go and I find it, I look for it, and as soon as I find it, I go and I look at the price, because it costs something. And I think, can I afford that or do I need to put it on layaway for a while or what do I need to do? Uh, but can I afford it? But if I look at it and I see the price and I'm willing to pay it, I, I, I have to consider that. Am I willing to pay this price? I then take it up if I'm willing to pay it and I go to the cash register. And maybe I say, man, this is expensive, but I know this is really important to this person that I love. So I go up to the cash register, the whole time I'm purchasing this gift, I'm not getting it for me. I'm getting it for my loved one. I'm getting it for somebody that I care about. I pay for the gift. Maybe I go home and wrap the gift. I put a little card on the gift, and on that card I'll put, you know, to Melanie from Jesse, and that happens to be what this one says, to Jesse from, no, to Melanie from Jesse. You ever buy yourself a gift, by the way? uh anyway that's a whole nother story but to melanie from jesse now the 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 gift is purchased and the reason that god repeatedly tells us about the gift of god and the reason i love giving this illustration is because it's so practical the bible says in john 3 16 for god so loved the world and yes that means all mankind but it, it applies to you as an individual without doing any harm whatsoever to the verse, you could do this with John 3:16. For God so loved, and you could put your name right there, that He gave His only begotten Son, that if, put your name right there again, if you would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved the world that He gave. That's a gift. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says this, For the wages of sin is death. The Bible says we've all sinned. That's the problem. The wages of sin is death. We were born into this world as sinners. And I'm telling you, religion, baptism, nothing can take away the stain of sin except for what Jesus did on the cross, the blood of Christ. Understand this. If any of these other things could take away our sin and save us, put us back in the right relationship with God, Jesus wouldn't have came in the first place. There was only one way that you and I could be put back in the right relationship with God, and that was for Jesus to pay the penalty. What's the penalty? Death. Physical death. Death is sep- All death really is a separation. You're not dead until your spirit leaves your body. Then you're dead because you're separated from your body. And the, 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 there's a spiritual death that speaks of a separation from God. There's an eternal death because it's a separation from God. And that comes because of sin. But there's the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. The good news is we know somebody who came and died. Did he die for his own sins? No, he did not because he had no sin. The Lord Jesus Christ, he had no sin. So he came into this world to die. Why? To pay for you and I to be able to be saved. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we see that the gift was prophesied, but the gift was also purchased. The gift was purchased, but also the gift was personal. I like what the Bible says there in Luke chapter 2, verse number 11. The Bible says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And I'm glad that he said before that, That this shall be a great joy which shall be to all people. Do you know it wouldn't be very good news to all people if half or three-quarters of those people were predestined for hell? Wouldn't be very good news. Uh, But the good news is it's to all people. Amen? Unto you is born this day. So it's a prophesied gift, a promised gift. It's a purchased gift. But I want to say, uh, thirdly, that it's a personal gift. Unto you is born this day in the city of David. So who's this gift for? It's for you. So here it just comes down to a real practical part of the message, and I got one more point, and then we'll be through. Like getting through a barbed wire fence, all right? Uh, a gift, purchased, personal, it's for you. Here's what you got to understand about the gift of salvation. It has your name on it. If you're living and breathing here today or hearing this message, here's one thing I can promise to you. I can promise you that God purchased the gift of salvation for you. For you. Unto you is born this day. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's the propitiation for our sins and not for our sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He paid for the sins of the whole world, but it's a personal gift. And so On the gift of salvation today is your name. Now, I've used this illustration before. I was looking for uh, one of my uh, younger helpers, but I think they're all back in junior church. But I was thinking about this. When you get a gift, I wonder how many this week are looking forward to getting a gift. How many of you, by the way, have a gift already? Somebody have a gift under a tree? It's like this, my goodness. Come on, help me, people. Yes, all right. Uh, uh, Yes, most of you do, and for some reason, the rest of you don't want to admit it. It's funny. Uh, It's hard enough being up here. Y'all help me a little bit, okay? Uh, You're already looking at me like you want to hurt me, okay? Just uh, help me. But uh, so (laughs) if you tried to hurt me, I think Trey would have my back, though, wouldn't you? Maybe not. All right. Uh, But uh, here's the gift of God, all right? We got that gift. Now, how, what, how, what sense would it make? What sense would it make? I think of some of the newlyweds we got. First year married, I bet there's some of them that are excited about something they got for their, uh, their young bride or, 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 or new husband and just can't wait for them to open that up. And can you imagine if, and, and maybe I'm getting myself in trouble here because you may be sitting there thinking, I did not get anything from Mackenzie, all right? <laughs> Hopefully you did. But can you imagine if you did get something from she's looking forward to open, I mean, and you, you can't wait for it to open, and she's just like, oh, thank you, thank you. And you're like, hey, guess what? I got you this gift. And she's just like, oh, okay, great, thank you. And then she goes off, and he's like, okay, uh, I paid for this gift. I, I've got an interest in getting you this gift here. Uh, I'm wanting to see you. Open this gift. Oh, thanks for the gift. And can you imagine her going around telling her friends, you know, or, you know, hey, what'd you get for for Christmas? Oh, uh, yeah, Tavian, he got me this great gift. Really? What is it? Oh, I don't know. It's still wrapped. I really haven't opened it up yet. Now, I don't think that's going to happen with any of us, that we're not going to open up our presents, all right? But what I'm trying to tell you today is that the majority of the people in this world today, they leave the present just like this. And to me, as much as I love Christmas, this is also one of the saddest times of year for me. You know why? Because person after person, I mean, listen, they're really thankful that Jesus bought a gift for them. They think it's great. But you know what happens? Year after year, that gift goes unopened. Because the gift of God is a personal gift. And what God gives us the opportunity, the gospel is the good news And the good news, this is presented to us. And it's this in a nutshell. I've said it already. We were all born sinners, every one of us. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's a price to be paid for that sin. Jesus paid the penalty for that sin. He purchased salvation when he died on the cross. He rose again the third day, and now he offers that salvation to you and to me. And many years ago, back in 1992, I heard this glorious message. Now, like many of you, I thought it was great that he bought a gift. But I never really realized that it was really for me. But there was a day when I realized that he went to the cross for me and that salvation was then offered to me. I understood that it was a thing of, okay, you believe Jesus died? You believe he rose again? Yeah, I really believe that. Okay, will you receive the gift of salvation now? Will you receive this gift? Will you take this gift to yourself? See, the Bible says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we, and then the Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So my question to you today is this. Most important question I'm going to ask you is this. Have you, maybe the most important question you've ever been asked in your life. Have you accepted God's gift? Not do you believe that he bought a gift, Not are you happy that you have a gift. Have you accepted it? Because He has a gift and your name is on it. But you've got to be willing to receive the gift. You've got to be willing, willing to accept Him. Have you accepted Christ? Have you accepted this gift? How do you do that? By just admitting to Him... That that you've sinned, that you know that you've come short of the glory of God, asking Him to forgive you of your sins. I mean, it's having a, a repentance, a change of mind, a change of heart that just reaches out and says, Dear Lord, in so many words, will you forgive me of my sins and be my Savior? I want you to come into my heart and into my life. Folks, that's what receiving the gift really is. Have you done that? If you haven't done that today, I want to invite you to do that. You say, that's too simple. It's not too simple. Religion tries to make things so hard sometimes. Anybody know that? But I'm telling you, the Bible just tries to make it real simple. He says, I got a gift for you. Will you take it? Now, let's go back through this scenario one more time, and I'm going to try to get you out of here, okay? Can you imagine offering this gift to somebody that you've paid for, that you cared about, and that gift being refused, being pushed away, there's some people that will spit at the gift, stomp on the gift as far as in their, their, their idea toward God. But others will just say, oh, no, thank you. No, thank you. I, this isn't just some general gift I got, you know, for everybody and everybody gets. No, it's I'm, I'm giving this to you. Amen. What did it cost? Jesus had to shed his blood to buy you this gift. So if you're not saved today, I beg you, I beg you, call on him today. Surrender your heart to, them to, to Him today. And I'll just say lastly in closing, it's a proclaimed gift. Those shepherds went away rejoicing. Isn't it something to rejoice about today? And we ought to tell other people about this wonderful gift. It's each of our responsibilities. If you've received the gift, it's now our responsibility to offer the gift to others.